everybody. Welcome to the Performance Improvement Podcast. This is Ella McGee. I'm a doctor of education who specializes in performance improvement for adult learners and individuals. I'm an English professor, writing tutor, and performance improvement coach, and I created this podcast to provide adult learners and all individuals with strategies for success in learning and in life. We have a guest today. His name is Sterling Swan and he is an associate broker at Brown Harris Stevens Brokerage, Hudson Valley office. Today, Mr. Swan is gonna tell us about the life of a realtor. Hello, Sterling, how are you today? Well, hello, Dr. McGee, how are you? I'm good, thank you. I'm so glad to have you. Likewise, my pleasure to be with you today. Okay. So I'm going to dive right into the questions like I always do with my guests. So how long have you been a broker? Uh, I am ending my 19th year, so almost 20 years in a, in a few months. Oh, wow, almost 20 years. Okay. That's nice. So you must like it. Well, I mean, it's like everything else. It has its high points and its low moments. But overall, this I find it to be a very... Uh, a very engaging and very fulfilling, you know, uh, okay. endeavor. Okay, that's good. Now, was this career path in your original plan? Well, you know, <laughs> original it just depends on where you, where the parameters of what's original. You right, know? right. I mean, you know, the child I wanted to be a hobo and I wanted to do some <laughs> other things. <laughs> that's that's actually coming back around now. Now it's the same thing. You go to college for one thing. And you may not necessarily end up doing that when you graduate. It's so funny. That, with like a, like yeah, that's a, so true, of course. Of right? Course. Okay, that's interesting. So what attracted you to, to this career? Oh, I don't know, various things. You know, it's, it's like, um, you know, you're on the course of life and different things happen. I, I think one thing that put me in the track of it was um, at the time of 9-11, I was actually living in Manhattan and had lived there for a number of years, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I was one of the few people still around, I guess, or thing that can say that I actually physically saw the building fall in oh, the World wow. Trade Center. Okay. So after that, you know, I was just, I really felt that I wanted, you know, a change of environments and so forth and so on. And so that put me on the course of, of somewhere different and everything. And and then, you know, just making a life decision with what will I do now? And real estate ended up being being the choice. And I thought I would do it for a short while, but after 19 years, I guess not so short. <laughs> right. Wow. Okay. So what did you have to do? Did you do research? How did you get into it? Well, being a broker or an agent is, is regulated by the state. Okay. And in the state of New York, my locale, you know, you have to take a course. Mm-hmm. And once you take the course, you have to take a state exam to practice. You you must affiliate yourself with a broke with a broker or brokerage, as they say. Okay. And uh and so that's what happened. And after I had worked at the brokerage for a while, I I went back and took the extra course to become an associate broker myself. And that just meaning that just means one thing. My status is that uh, should I decide or, or desire to open my own independent brokerage, I, I'm out. Uh, I have the credentials to do, to do so, in other words. Oh, okay. So you had to take a, a you said a licensing exam? 
Yeah, you have to take a license now for the initial just to be a regular salesperson. Mm -hmm. Then it's like continuing education. If you want the brokerage uh, uh, distinction mm -hmm. or the associate brokerage distinction, mm -hmm. you have to take further education and then a, another more advanced state exam. Was it difficult, that last exam? Well, I don't know. I didn't, it, it really wasn't too difficult for me, you know. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying... <laughs> I'm not saying them all that, but no, it's, it wasn't difficult. You just have to have an appreciation with details and, and right. so forth. But no, it's not, you know. Right. Okay. And I have heard there's a cost um, to this exam. Uh, well, yeah, there's usually a cost in terms of taking the course. Mm -hmm. But you have nowadays, you know, technology, technology has changed so many things in life. When I took the course, you know, you had to go physically to take it. There was no such thing as online. Nowadays, you know, you could you could be in New York and take a course from a co company sponsored in California, right? And they would do it for New York law and for New York, but that's just the industry now. So you don't have so you can take the course online, and you pay for the course, and then you have to pay for your state exam and certification. So it's a fee, but you know, it's not exorbitant. But but there is a there okay. are fees involved in the process. Doesn't matter what you're going to learn. If you're going to be certified or licensed in anything, you're going to, you're going to pay a fee. <laughs> yeah, you got to pay, you got to pay your cost, you know. Okay. Um, so what is a broker's typical day? Well, there's no such thing as a typical day <laughs> in the real estate world. Okay. <laughs> you know, you, you just, you just get up and you go, you, 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 you know, you have plans and everything because, you know, we spend a lot of time contacting people or okay. marketing ourselves, you know, and uh, writing ads and doing work and communicating. But, uh, you know, one of the best times I ever had in Roadstead, I was just sitting at home and the phone rang and I had someone on the phone looking to buy a property. Mm -hmm. And and then uh, someone I never even knew and come to find out they had, they read an article that I composed earlier okay. and they called me but anyhow out of the blue I had a wonderful transaction relationship and then other times you can try so hard to engage with people mm -hmm. on the sad part of it is you know, you, some people you work with for ages and they say oh I don't know about this and I'll let you know and then nothing ever comes to fruition so that can be personally and economically frustrating but you know that's the core so at any rate they're just two extremes to say there's no such thing as a typical day. Right, I understand. And I was going to ask you what is a, um example of a challenging time or a bad experience, but you just gave me one. Oh, well, there are many of those. But then there are so many fulfilling things also, you know. And it's like, again, it's like any other profession, you know. It's going to have its high moments and its low moments. Yeah. You know, real estate, it is an, evol an evolving undertaking. Mm -hmm. And really, it's really one of the oldest, under, uh, oldest profession, but well, not so much profession, but it's one of the oldest things. Because if you go back even in biblical times from creation, mm -hmm. when God first started out, the first thing he created was light. Right. Then, he, then he created the heaven or the firmament, then earth, after earth, man. Right. When he created man, he gave him dominion over all those things which gave him a right to buy and sell. For years you had that, and then... Different things were valuable at di different times. Mm -hmm. Like even in this country, you know, like uh, when this country was first started, it was an agrarian society. People were coming all the way from crowded Europe and places coming here mm -hmm. to stake out big parcels of land. Right. And that's what gave real estate so much value. Well, now big parcels of land do not necessarily give real estate so much value. You might have one 
hundred square feet in the in the appropriate place, and it could be worth you know hundreds of acres. So it's just an evolving process, but their evolution is dependent on day to day agents agents who are looking to engage buyers and day to day people who are looking to acquire property. So it's a very interesting you know progression. It sounds interesting. So as you're explaining that, I'm thinking so. Does it matter what position you're in to show a house as opposed to an apartment? No, it doesn't matter. As long as you have a license, you know, you're oh, like, okay. oh. you know, it, uh, the distinctions, you know, the, the, there's no real uh, discrimination in the distinctions on that level. Okay. Sometimes some, when you're deal, dealing with more savvy customers or buyers, mm-hmm. having the brokers the broker's uh, designation behind your name may, may give you a leg up, possibly, you know. Right. Oh, so it I is see. like a, a slight measure of uh, recognition attached. Oh, I get that. Um, so what is something, or maybe several somethings, that keep you going during the hard times? Well, one good thing about real estate is regardless of what's going on, you can always have something to do. Right. Even even during COVID, when you know when when we were told not to go to the office for a span of time, there, you know, right. And everything was very measured. You could still sit at home and do a lot of real estate because you you know you could email people, you could uh, compose advertisements and uh, marketing schemes. A lot of people did a lot of work during the during the uh, COVID. So it's not one of those things that uh, you're just totally dependent on face-to-face. Mm-hmm. It just has so many components. It's like a well oil, a, a, a gigantic machine right. that has so many components, and a lot of those are silent years to make it travel or make it work. Right. And you can, and you have plenty of time to engage to do all of those. Yeah. So what was that like showing during COVID? You guys, what, you had the mask and the, and the clients well, had masks? For a period, period of the time, they really didn't want you to go to anyone's house. So okay. that, was, that was one thing. Then when they said you could go, you know, they wanted you to wear the gloves and the mask and so forth. Mm-hmm. And they did not want you. They did not want you to meet any homeowners. Most homeowners or people residents would leave a property if you're showing, you know, by nature. Right. But occasionally you have some people who say, "I don't mind being around." Mm-hmm. But under the cover regulations, they did not even want that to happen. You know. Right. So it took a little work, but you know, for the most part, everyone was, uh, you know, good with it because after all, the the people who were selling the selling their properties, they wanted, you know, they were they were motivated by having having prospective buyers to come see it, you know. Mm-hmm. And so every so it was like a mutually symbiotic relationship to get to a common goal. So yeah. everyone was pretty much cooperative during those times. Oh, okay. And I have to ask you this. Um, what is the diversity like in the real estate business um, in terms of the brokers and the realtors? Is it evolving in that area like other professions, the diversity? Well, it's evolving somewhat, uh, especially now. For instance, in New York City, even when I first came to New York in the mid-'80s, mm-hmm. I mean, it was a rarity to see any person of color, for the most part, involved in real estate. You may see them here and there, but now, even in the last, I would say five years, you see you see so much diversity in terms of gender, in terms of ethnic origin, that is really reassuring and really um, painting a promising image for the future of the industry in terms of inclusiveness. Oh, okay. And I ask that question because society is growing in diversity, so that's important in every field. 
So that's good to know that it, it has evolved some, and it is evolving. Well, it's evolving. Like now you have some real estate firms that speak only like Chinese or Spanish. Because in the larger cities, especially here in the New York metro area, and I'm just pulling this strictly out of my head, let's say if you're somewhere like in Miami or Houston, you know? Right. You would think that there would be people that speak those languages. And now that has really become a, a pretty much common thing. And I think it's very good. I think it's very healthy for the market, you know, very healthy for the country as well. Right. Because that's what we're supposed to be, the, you know, the, the great melting pot. Exactly, exactly. The, the great social experience above all others, <laughs> you know. <laughs> right. So what do you want people to understand about being a broker? Well, to be a broker or a salesperson, you know, it's just... First of all, people should understand the uh, the relationships because if you are a a salesperson or a broker selling real estate the way we commonly think of it, mm-hmm. you are an agent, and that's what you are legally. When you say you're an agent, you're either working for the interest of the seller if you have the property listed as your sale, mm-hmm. or if you have a buyer and you're looking for a property that's listed by another agent. Mm-hmm. And that's what we do. I may ha- I may represent a seller of a house, but I will let another agent bring a buyer, and we share the commission as a cooperation. That's common, and that's what a lot of people really don't understand. Mm-hmm. So the good thing about the real estate world, the way it stands nowadays, is that if the buyer comes to me and look at a house that I represent, the buyer is not really paying directly any commission because the seller is the one who pays all the commission. Okay. Whether there are one agent or two agents involved, the seller pays the commission. Right. That's the seller's obligation. And, a lot, and many times the buyers will say that, well, you know, uh, I'll get my own buyer's agent, but yet still the seller is the one who is paying the commission nine times out of ten, you know. Right, right. It's like a legal relationship. If you're the agent, you, if you represent the seller, you owe duties to the seller. You know, you have to be confidential. You have to look out for their goal their, in, beyond everyone else and so forth and so on. And the same thing happens if you solely represent the buyer. Right. You have to do that. So, so those duties are very important. And, and it's good, you know, to talk with people and explain that to them from the very start. And usually it works out pretty good. Oh, okay. Do you have any advice for buyers? Any any perspective? Yeah, sure. Share them with us, please. <laughs> a lot of well, first of all, if I can encourage buyers to you know to, to pursue their goal of property ownership. Mm-hmm. And second of all, I would like to let them know that um, you know to be a successful buyer to get the biggest bang for your experience is to do, you know, to do several things. One thing, if you, if you are thinking about buying a property, one of the first things you should do is to check your financial status. And when I say that, you should consult a finance, go to a lending institution, mm-hmm. whether it's a bank or mortgage company mm-hmm. or mortgage broker. Okay. And you can have them to do what they call a pre-qualification, where they give you an estimate of how much money you will qualify to borrow. Right. So it's like, since home purchases is one of the largest individual things that most of us will encounter, strategically, you need to know what you can afford to buy. 
Right. Before you get into the car and start riding around. Right. Because many people get excited and they want to start riding around. And if you ask them, they say, well, I'll do that later. Well, nowadays, uh, when you give an offer nowadays, with the market being so volatile, the owner, the person who's selling the property, they're going to want a pre-qualification or some assurance oh, sure. that you're able to qualify for the loan if, that's, if you if finance is involved. So that step is very crucial. It just helps you to know what you can afford to buy. Because if you're really looking to buy a property, there's no need to daydream anymore, you know. I right. mean, we would all love to have that, you know, several million dollar house on the moors, you know. Right. Palm trees and the ocean in the background. But, you know, <laughs> a lot of us won't make that, right. you know. <laughs> Right. So if you if you if you find out that you can afford to spend up to three hundred and fifty thousand, I'm just using as an arbitrary figure, that helps your real estate person who's work who working with you to get you better results. I see. Because you're wasting time if you go look at things that are twice that and you know you can't afford it. You know. Right. I would say definitely that. And two, I would say just other things, uh, Dr. McGee. I would tell them that if you're married or in a committed relationship where you're going to share ownership with a property, mm-hmm. sit down and have an honest relationship about, about what's important to you. Right. You know, some people say, well, I don't want any neighbors in sight. And other people say, well, I don't want to live secluded. Some people say, well, I only want a house on, on one level. But, you know, then the partner may say, well, I want an upstairs, a downstairs, a basement, a barn right. out back. You know? <laughs> right. So those are issues you have to solve among yourselves. Okay. So they help you to focus and, and help you keep your real estate person from being in the middle of a couple dispute. Sure. Oh, oh. Have you experienced that? Oh, yes. Because now, you know, I have a rule, and I would tell you, mm-hmm. when I'm talking with someone, if they're very interested in a property, and they want to come and see it. And sometimes people will say, well, you know, I just don't want this property to get away from me. So my wife is on vacation in Hong Kong, but can I come and see it tomorrow? And so my question is, when is wife coming back? Because you're wasting your time. One of the worst things you can do is to come and see the property and go back and rave into the wife and say, well, I think this is what we need, and she hadn't seen it yet. Right, right. Those are just some of the dynamics of interpersonal relationships that, that I have, you know, that I come to realize, you know, and I cut my teeth on those. I realize that. You have both couples, mm-hmm. and they're looking at the property, but if they grasp each other's hand and start walking across this very manicured lawn and saying, this, we could put the swing here, mm-hmm. you may be onto something there. <laughs> <laughs> but one spouse showing waste of time and I try and I really try to discourage those I see that's actually good advice for aspiring realtors what other advice do you have for them I feel like you have to be honest with people and, and that's just to go back to what I was saying earlier you mm-hmm. know um, if, if you represent them as a buyer, they should be honest with you and you should be honest with them you know then on the other hand if you represent sellers because now with the COVID and across the country you know, most real estate prices are up. As I mentioned earlier, the real estate industry as a whole, it's like life, it evolved. Right. And, and COVID was just another evolution because before, when you were preparing to buy a house, you said, well, I want to be within a certain distance of my job. Right. Thanks to COVID, there are fewer people who are obligated to go to offices anymore right. on a regular basis. Now people have more leeway in terms of work to live. That, add a, that, that can potentially add a bit more confusion to the decision. 
enough. I'll tell you another thing. Uh, now people have fewer children. Mm-hmm. Parents have a totally different relationship with their children. The average parent now with one or two children, they're in their lives more closer than our parents were in a sense. Because nowadays, most parents with one or two children, they know what's going to happen to their estate. Right. So they don't mind funding their children to, to finance a, a, a home or property. Right. So nowadays, and oftentimes you have the spouses, and you have the parents. And if you think that spouses are tough, well, right behind that tough spouse are tough parents. That's something to watch out for. It's just that if the people who are buying, right, just you know, if they could just be honest and be on one accord, and then their agent could be honest with them, that'll move everything along very well. And, and also, it just helps to to have good results. Sure. And and I guess an aspiring um, realtor has to expect to sometimes show. How many houses in a day? It just depends. I have a rule also. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> I know what you're thinking. You have a lot of rules. <laughs> That's okay. But you know, every industry has rules, whether they're written or unwritten. <laughs> exactly. If I'm t- when I'm taking people out to look at a residential property, mm-hmm. I try not to show them more than five houses a day. Really, ideally, no more. No, I try to limit it to four. Oh. Okay, the reason that? being, when you're driving around mm-hmm. in here, and when I say here, I'm talking about the Hudson Valley, the area north of New York City, okay. that's where we're located. Mm-hmm. Here, properties tend to be a distance. Okay. It is totally possible that you may drive 20 miles in one direction to see one property, double back and drive another 15 to see another. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe 12, another 20, another. In other words, you have to, for the most part, you have to travel. Right. It's not as if you were showing property in Manhattan or in Westchester County. Right. Or let's say Miami, Florida, where you could show 10 houses in two blocks. But another thing beyond just the, the logistics of moving around, mm-hmm. the average person looking for houses, if they look at too many houses in one day, they lose the focus, and everything becomes like uh, a soup. Oh, I see. Soup. In their mind. So, yeah, In their mind. Right. So you remember that house, the swimming pool? I love that dining room. And when you think you go, and I'm, and I'm saying to myself, the broker with a house with the, with the swimming pool did not have a dining room, you know? Right, right. They mix, <laughs> they mix up what's, what was that right. one house with the other. Okay. What, what I think is more important is to go and see the property. Mm-hmm. And then don't don't overburden yourself, I because see. that way you would die. It's like eating. Eating. If you overeat, you're gonna have drastic results one way or another. Whether you have an upset stomach or, or, or other things could go wrong. Right. But if you eat in moderation, you know you'll get nourishment and you'll get a benefit from it. And that's my theory on you know showing houses. You know. Right. Oh, okay. I see. All right. So, are there any questions that you? think I should have asked about well, the profession? Well, no, I think it's, you know, you were thorough. I think the only thing I think that, um, you know, now that real estate is getting so much publicity, mm-hmm. because, you know, we, we know, we've had a few rough years here, and then the COVID was kind of the, you know, the uh, <laughs> most recent blow, so right. speak, you know? And so for whatever reason, people are putting a lot of their money in real estate. Yes. 
Mm-hmm. But historically, that has always been the case, though. Mm-hmm. Okay. The trouble times come. People put instead of putting their money in stock bonds or whatever, whatever they like to put their money in something you can see and feel. I see. Sticks and mortar and land, you know. Right. But then on the other hand, the housing market is, is soaring. But part of the evolution that you know, look at all the real estate that we have, uh, like the shopping malls that seem to be losing favor. Right. Some of the large stores are closing down oh, downsides. Yes. And many of those are closing down a downsides because people don't go out to shop anymore. And because in the business culture, a lot of their money was made from selling suits and ties, mm-hmm. suits and uh, former clothing for, for, you know, professional workers. And that market is all, almost dwindled to nothing, you know? But, right. so, and all I'm saying is that that leaves a lot of real estate in, in lingo as well. But real estate is the thing to do, but people just have to be patient. Find out what you can afford, can afford. Right. And get a good agent with whom you feel comfortable. And use the internet a lot if you want to, but you have to be careful because many times on the internet, there's so much going on now in the real estate world that people are trying to actually sell you something that you're probably not interested in. So it, it, it behooves you to just find a, a regular person who is, is, a, is connected with a regular brokerage, you know, with whom you can, you know, deal. And, and you should have a good experience. This is a good time to acquire property, mm-hmm. you know, uh, regardless of whether you want a smaller house or whether you want investment property, even commercial property. It's a good time. It's a very good time. Again, because of the COVID across the globe, people have been leaving all the major cities, the people who can right. afford to. And in this area, like I'm in the Hudson Valley, as I mentioned, you know, with uh, two hours north of the city, the upper scale market, even, you know, million dollar homes and above it, mm-hmm. that market has really been saturated because now people are willing to buy a second home mm-hmm. and pay that much money for it while they make their decision as to what they're going to do with the real estate they own in the city if they haven't already disposed of it. Oh, interesting. And that's the same thing that happened in all the major metropolitan areas, whether it's Chicago, Houston. Dallas, right. people are leaving the major cities and going to the outlying areas because they think it's a measure of protection. And I and I think I just recently heard on the news that now, once the vaccines came out, some people are going back. So that's still good for the real estate business. Well, they're going back, but they're going back measure because see, now you have the virus, you have the other things kicking up. The companies are still in limbo as mm-hmm. to you know, how to handle it because many, a lot of the employees do not want to go back while they, you have the uh, these the strains, you know. Yeah, the variants. Yeah. So who knows what the full outcome is going to be. And, and now, you know, uh, I've noticed that a lot of buildings that are just cut out strictly for restaurants are slow to sell. Because, you know, restaurants are having a hard time. If yes. you have another spike, they're going to close the restaurants down again, you know? Yes. And yes. if you go out and invest a lot of money in a restaurant and you have to close it down, then it, unless you're very fortunate financially, right. it, it may end up the disastrous or very unpleasant results. So it's interesting. So it sounds, you know, as you know, I'm in the field of education, and the field of education hasn't changed in, and I'm going to use the term, umpteen years. <laughs> Meaning it's, it hasn't done much changing in terms of students in the classroom and the sage on the stage. It's changed. It has made some changes, especially with the advances in technology. But the basic core of it hasn't changed. So the real estate field sounds the same way. It sounds similar. Like like you said, well, you yeah, went you went all the way back to Bible times. <laughs> well, yeah. well, you 
know, you know how in, in the um in the biblical time we we said BC and AD. Yes, yeah. In the real estate world, we said BC and AC before COVID and after COVID. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that could be said of education too, in in the sense. Well, because the thing about it, you know, and uh, I'm not gonna belabor the point, but the thing about it is when you look at it. Uh, how, it's, it's amazing how how we exist as human as the human race. I'm talking about worldwide. Yes. You know? Yes. Because you know the, we took off with technology, technology, and, and technology, you know, the worldwide web. That's what they named it at the beginning. Yes. And for the most part, of the world has become connected and everything. Mm -hmm. But just when it happened, COVID came and it shut. You know, and, and, and they had to shut down, and we had to rely on that advanced technology to yes. survive. Not rely on it then, but evidently going forward, advanced technology is going to be a major part of our existence. Oh, yeah. Yes, it, it literally, it's almost like COVID. I mean, it's so sad, all the lives that COVID has taken. You know, but that's but that's life though. You know, you know, like we didn't you know we didn't live through World War Two. We didn't live through AIDS. Right, we right. Live that. We have lived through AIDS. It changed something, but now COVID came along and it has, it is rewriting life in many different ways. So that's what we see every day in the real estate world. Not that it's frightening, but it's just very interesting. Everything is like you know technology with us. You know now, but we're still doing what God set out for us to do in the Book of Genesis. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, uh, while you know people who desire earthly home, mm -hmm, right? Uh, they feel good. They feel like this is a good time to go out and pursue that, get that pursuit, because uh, it is a good time. And land and homes are not is not a bad thing. And also nowadays, uh, with things changing, mm -hmm. and you have you have the same sex marriages and things, right? A good part of the modern market in the last, I would say, the last ten years, and even definitely, definitely within even up into the last five years, a good part of that is same-sex couples. You know, mm -hmm. they are very standard component of the current market. Okay. You get two same-sex professionals. They come in and they're planning their future, and a lot of them, a lot of young people, period, nowadays will invest in real estate. But a lot of those people nowadays are same-sex couples, you know. Right. Okay. Yeah. So that's one. That's one. That's one change. Even since I started, that, that, you know, not not that you, you know, you did have people buying property together, but now people, you know, that's that well, this is my husband. Right. This is my wife. You know, it, it's on the table, and and the, and the, and that's what the whole thing with the same-sex, but you no, know, because before, you know, many people said. And not to get political, they were saying, "Oh, people don't need to be able to get married." Right. But being married is, is important in the property ownership era. Of the, of the spouse is always protected beyond everyone else. You know. Right. I see. So okay, awesome. A lot of information. I learned a lot myself. Well, I, well you know, I've been on Earth more than a week. So. <laughs> <laughs> so let me ask you, how can our listeners? connect with you? How can they get in touch with you? Well, I'm with Brown Harris Stevens. If if, um, if, if if you have someone that really would like to, um, you can pass along my cell number, you know. Okay. And uh, I, I would be glad to talk with anyone because sometimes people are not looking to buy a house. They just may have a question where, you know, I listen right. to this or whatever, you know, and that's okay. You know, that's okay. Right. Know? So if yeah. someone wanted to look up your website, Stevens is spelled how? S-T-E-V-E-N-S. 
Brown Harris Stevens. Uh-huh. They want to put real estate, but either they don't even they do not even say real estate. Oh, okay. And when you get the do Brown Harris Stevens, and then they they have offices in Manhattan, Long Island, uh, different places. But my office is the Hudson Valley. If you, if you click on that, you get to my home office, you know. Oh, okay. And so are the real estate websites like they used to be where you have the pictures of all the brokers? Well, this one does. Okay. Now with the technology, is more, is, is more, you know, they want your picture, you know. Okay, okay. <laughs> no, well, I'm, I only ask because, you know, you yeah. know, my listeners yeah. may want to reach out to Sterling Swan and, you know, they just look yeah, for your name. Yeah, they'll see me, yeah. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. Okay, that's great. I think... no, that would be no, that would be fine. And and two, you know, the real estate world is good. I do write a, a, occasionally. I write. I pin articles. I'm working on articles now, mm-hmm. kind of touching on some of the things we talked about, but locally about the local how COVID and the uh, exodus of people from the city has impacted the local life. Because you know, we've changed here. Um, all of a sudden, we have massage parlors, and we have latte. You can get all kinds of latte. Oh, and really? Never even heard of. We're country people up here, you know? <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> and we have people coming in. One of my neighbors, you know, from the office, he came all the way from the Namibia and South Africa and opened their gallery. Oh, wow. Nice. And we have just an influx. They call us upstate New York's main street. And they call it the Hudson Valley, the, the newest Hamptons. Really? You know? oh. oh, yeah, they call it the newest Hamptons. It's particularly the Hudson, New York, uh, because that's where the Amtrak stops. Yes, yes. And they say that the Hudson station is the busiest station between New York City and Toronto. It's even busier than, busier than Albany. Wow, okay. You know, Hudson itself has ganged about five new hotels in the last two years. And another thing uh, that relates back to, uh, you know, how things have changed, mm-hmm. you, know, cause, you know, when the bed and breakfast industry came, you know, became so intense. Yes. And it was totally unregul- unregulated. Well, a lot of people started doing bed and breakfasts in, in Hudson, and that really took off. And so it became a weekend destination. Right. And so then, you know, and then a lot of those people started buying properties here. It's just part of it, part of the evolution, you know. Evolutionary wheels are turning. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Well, it was so nice that you shared with us, and anyone who's interested in that profession can find you on the web. Um, I would welcome that. That's just fine. That's great. Thank you so much, Sterling. And thank you, Doctor McGee. And let me. Um, let me, uh, yes. Let me just say I appreciate the time, and I hope I said something to uh, help someone or, or just enlighten someone. That's all I say. And, and oh, I you do did. It. You said much. You you made me want to, you know, call you and 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 look for a home. <laughs> <laughs> well, please do. <laughs> okay. Thank you so much. Okay, listeners. Now I'm going to go over the tips that Mr. Swan provided. He provided. 11 tips for aspiring agents and 4 tips for home buyers. So I will begin with the 11 tips for aspiring agents. Number 1, to get into real estate, you must take a course which may be online or in person. Number 2, you must also take a state exam. Number 3, to become a broker or associate broker, you'll need to take additional courses and an advanced state exam. Number four, 
There are fees for courses and exams, and they vary from state to state. Either Mr. Swan can help you with this information when you contact him, or you can search Google for real estate licensing fees and follow the links but make sure you look for fees within your state. Number five, there is no typical day in the life of a realtor, but common tasks include spending time contacting sellers, buyers, and or potential buyers, and marketing yourself, as well as creating ads. Number six, no real distinction exists in terms of which agent can show a house or an apartment. But some savvy customers are impressed by agents who have that broker's designation behind their name. So keep that in mind. Number seven, you can easily still work from home as a realtor if you had to. Number eight, diversity is evolving in the real estate world. So that's really good. Number nine. Nowadays, you may need to show homes to the couple as well as extended family, like maybe parents. So just be prepared for that. Number 10. It may be best to limit the number of homes you show to maybe four or five on a given day so the client can easily remember what they looked at in terms of features, etc. But I actually may have a solution for this. And I'll tell you in a second. And the last tip for aspiring agents, explain to buyers when agents are collaborating on a sale. Again, it's all about full disclosure. Okay? Now I'm going to move on to the four tips for home buyers. Mr. Swan suggests that you consult a bank or mortgage broker so you can pre-qualify for the home before you begin searching. This will help the agent know which home to show you. Also, sellers want potential home buyers to be pre-qualified. This all prevents wasted time for all involved, including your time. Number two, be open with agents about who will join you in viewing the homes or others involved in the home purchase. Everyone needs to know what to expect. Number three, if you're sharing ownership with someone else, have a discussion with that person about your preferences to avoid conflicts during the home shopping experience. You don't wanna have heated discussions while you're riding around looking at homes. And number four, the last tip for home buyers, Mr. Swan suggests that you avoid looking at too many houses on a given day to avoid becoming confused about which house had which features. And like I alluded to earlier, I actually have a solution for that. I have something that could help home buyers organize their search efforts. It's called the Life Mate. It will help you get major parts of your life in order, including home buying. And I included this in the organizer because many people are looking for new homes or new places to live these days. 
The life may solve the problem that Mr. Swan pointed out about buyers getting confused if they look at too many houses in one day where you may forget which features were in which house. Well, once you record these features in the life me, this cannot happen. So to obtain a copy of the life me, hop on over to Amazon.com and type my name in the search field. It's E-L-L-A and my last name is McGee. M-C-G-H-E-E. Then scroll through my books and you will find The Life Mate. Until we meet again, you can reach me on Instagram at Achieving Excellence Today or on the web at edmsoftwaretraining.com. Until next time, bye-bye.